0: Um, We're going to continue our series on the book of Mark and uh, last week we looked at how Jesus was able and available. He was able and available. He showed up uh, on behalf of a a leader of the ruler of the synagogue who had a, a daughter who was sick and needed some help. He was in a desperate situation. And he asked Jesus to come and heal his daughter. And he, as he was on his way to do that, there was another woman who needed healing, and he healed her. And he showed that he was available and he was able to show up in desperate situations where people found themselves in need, where all other options had run out, where all other hopes uh, were, were no longer uh, available. Um, And so we looked at that last week and so this week we're going to look at Mark chapter 6 and I've titled this message Facing Rejection on Mission. Facing Rejection on Mission. Rejection is a part of the human experience that every one of you and I have tasted. Unfortunately many Many young people experience rejection as early as the womb from their mother and father. And then as we go through life, we meet other kids, right? We're at the playground. You know, we we may become the cool kid and then we may become the not so cool kid really quick. And we experience the sting of rejection. We try to make friends with other people and we feel rejected at times or we reject others at times and many times and rejection even isn't even intended but it's, re- it's received or experienced even without intention and there's few things that i know of that sting more than the pain of feeling rejected especially by those who are closest to us okay And so rejection is a painful reality of this post-Genesis 3 world in which we live in. This fallen, broken world where we are surrounded by sinners and we are among the sinners that, that project rejection. And Jesus stepped into this fallen, broken world and he became... The the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, who was despised and rejected. He came and he experienced the sting of what you and I have all experienced at one point or another. The sting of being rejected by men. Okay, And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 6 where Jesus shows up at his hometown in Nazareth. And he experiences some rejection. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me. Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 1. He went away from there, and he came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and of Jose and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him and said to him, said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. And among his his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marvelled because of their unbelief. And they went up and they and he went about among the villages teaching. So here's our big idea this morning. Jesus faced rejection, living on mission. And as we follow him, as we follow him on mission, we too will deal with rejection on his behalf. Jesus faced rejection, living on mission. And as we, as we follow him, we too will experience, we, will, we too will deal with rejection on his behalf. When Jesus showed up at his hometown, he experienced a closed door, so to speak. Closed doors. People who were not open to him and his message. Or who he was as, as, as the son of God. And his hometown was a very small hometown. Okay, The, the town of Nazareth. Uh, it was probably, uh, scholars say, from, from 150 to, to 500 people. Okay? It, was a, it was a small town. Um, Nathaniel said in John 146, when he heard about Jesus and some of y'all saw this this past week on the Chosen series when Nathaniel saw or heard about Jesus and heard about where he was from he said uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? and Philip said to him come and see can anything good come out of Nazareth? so, so here's the reputation for this town Nazareth okay it, it, there's not there's not a lot of great stuff happening there. Not a lot of good people coming out of there. Much less a prophet or a messenger from God. And Jesus grew up there. He grew up in this town. And one of the things we see about this is the humility of Christ, that he he lived his life not in uh, um, he didn't grow up in Jerusalem. He grew up in Nazareth, in this small town, and he was a carpenter. He worked. With his hands, okay. Listen, when when he was teaching, verse two. Here, here's a couple a couple of things that we see here with the town of Nazareth, and this was probably Jesus's second time he was here in his hometown. And Luke four, uh, we see the first time Jesus uh, comes after he starts his ministry, or when he starts his ministry, he's there in Nazareth, Nazareth, preaching, okay. So he's preaching, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He quotes Isaiah 61. And remember, they got angry and they, they kind of wanted to kill him. Right? The first time. So he had already experienced some of that rejection there. This time, he comes back and he's, he's with his disciples. He's accumulated uh, a bit of a following. His disciples are with him. And he's, he's already did many miracles, as Mark has recorded. He's already he's healed lepers. You know, he's... He's, uh, he healed Jairus' daughter. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He, he cast out demons. So he's already done a number of miracles. And so his reputation is starting to spread. And here he is. He's back in his hometown. And he's preaching. And he's teaching in the synagogue. And they were amazed at his teaching. They were astonished. They were amazed by Jesus. Okay? But then... They began to question. They had, they had these five questions about Jesus that were derogatory. Um, and they took offense at him. And they were unbelieving. They, they, they didn't believe who Jesus was. Here, here's the five questions here. Where did this man get these things? Like, we know this guy. Like, where did he get this, this wisdom? And, you know, how's he, how's, we're, you know what, what's going on here? What, what is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? How's this, how this guy doing these miracles? Okay, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and um, how, do you, how do you pronounce that? I said Jose earlier. Joseph. Joseph. The son of James and Joseph and Judas and, and Simon. So there's this familiarity. And the the old saying goes that familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds breeds contempt. You see, Jesus lived humbly for 30 years in Nazareth before he started his ministry. And it wasn't super obvious to everyone around that this was God in the flesh. This was the Messiah. This was the the Son of God, the King of Israel. This is the one that, that we've been waiting for. It wasn't obvious to them. It was a surprise to them that Jesus was teaching with such wisdom and authority and and doing these miracles. And are not his sisters here with us? Now, when theologians, some theologians point out here that when they said, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? um, Some theologians point out that this was. This was derogatory because typically a, a, a man would be referred to as the son of, of the father, the son of Joseph, rather than the son of Mary. All right, and perhaps there was some some rumors in Jesus's hometown that he was illegitimate, that his that his dad wasn't his real dad because remember the whole virgin birth deal, right? That that miracle from the beginning, right? So so Mary and and, and Jesus had to got to live with that stigma of walking through that in this humble, poor town of Nazareth. And so here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of God who stepped down from eternity into this time and space, this fallen, broken world, and he experiences rejection from his own relatives, from his own hometown, right? Right? Now, typically, like in, in our day, like when, when there's like sports heroes or actors or some celebrity and they're from a small town, the town's kind of excited. Like, that's kind of a pride thing. Like, you know, welcome. Right. Um, but not so here with Jesus. They're, they're, they're offended with Jesus. Now, notice this in verse five. It said he could do no mighty work there except that he could lay his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Was Jesus limited here? Was Jesus limited in doing miracles here? Because Mark seems to imply that. So what's going on here? Because last week we talked about Jesus being able, and he is able to heal sick people and raise dead people. Now, he did do a few miracles, but he he didn't do, he didn't do a whole lot as far as the miracles go, and that's because of their unbelief. The Lord has chosen. He's chosen to work through the faith and respond to the faith of people. Right? He he chooses. Remember in in chapter 5, the two miracles that were done? The the woman who was healed of the issue of blood, he said, your faith has made you well. Right? He told Jairus, do not be afraid, but believe. And we see Jesus showing up, doing miracles in response to... The faith of people. He's preaching and teaching and faith is arising and he's doing miracles. And the miracles confirm the authenticity of the message. So it's not that Jesus is powerless here. It's more about purpose. It's more about purpose. Jesus wasn't about to waste miracles on people who weren't going to believe anyways. Because they had already seen some. They already heard about these these mighty works. That he had been doing. But they were just choosing not to believe. The Pharisees were like that as well. He's doing miracles right before their eyes. Notice this in, in verse 6. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. Now we don't have Jesus. It doesn't, the gospels don't mention this very often that Jesus marveled or is astonished at, at very much. There's, there's two things that we see that he marvels at here. One is unbelief. But we also see him marveling at faith. The centurion. Right? He marvels at the faith. Or, and, and he marvels at the unbelief. Like here's, here's God in the flesh standing right before them, having done miracles, right of evidence, right before their eyes, and they're not believing. Because of familiarity, because of unbelief, because of offense. They took offense at Jesus. They're like, we know this guy. We, we, we grew up with this guy. We've been around this guy. Somebody from, from Nazareth is, is going to be the Messiah or a prophet? No way. And they took offense at that. Now, one of the things I want to point out and go back to chapter 1 is that Jesus already had the acceptance and the approval of the Father. Jesus had already been operating with the acceptance and the approval of the Father before he even started his ministry. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus went to get baptized by John the Baptist, the Father, when he came up out of the water, immediately... He saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus had the acceptance of heaven. So the rejection of men did not move him at all. He knew it was going to happen. He knew that there would be rejection. And, and this, was just a, this was just a portion of it because it goes even, even greater than just his hometown. Israel rejects Jesus. Jesus was the, the, the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 who was despised and rejected. He was rejected by men so that you and I might be received by heaven. And if you've experienced the sting, maybe even right now, or experiencing the sting of rejection, know that Jesus has experienced that. And He wasn't rejected because of anything He had done or who He was. He was perfect. He was perfect. They rejected Him because of their own unbelief. Because of their own taking offense at Jesus. So let's go on to verse 7 here. Because Jesus prepares his followers to be rejected as well. If we're going to follow the the Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible who bore his cross, he calls us also to bear our cross and experience some of that opposition as well. In verse 7, or actually um, let me go back here cuz Jesus he continued to teach. He didn't he didn't he didn't let the rejection stifle him or keep him back from continuing the mission he continued to teach and preach and live on mission Okay, verse 7 and he called the twelve and he began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over unclean spirits and he charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff no bread, no bag, no money in their belts and to wear sandals and to put on two tunics and he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any, and if any place will, will not receive you, they will not listen to you when you leave. shake the dust, Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed them with oil and many who were sick were healed. Here we see Jesus sending his followers to do the very things that he had been doing, preaching repentance, casting out demons, and healing people. He had his apprentices, he had his disciples. They watched him do it, and then he he commissioned them to go and do the very same thing. After they had saw him, they saw him experience a taste of rejection, probably at a low point in his ministry, right? Probably a low point for the disciples, right? Now we know in another place in, in Luke chapter nine, when when Jesus's disciples were rejected uh, by a Samaritan village, James and John, their response is, "Hey, hey, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven on these guys?" If you've watched the, the, the recent chosen episodes, there's a great there's a great clip of that that scene, right? They're rejected by the Samaritans. And, and, and they're just going on about, you know, they're all worked up. They're the sons of thunder, all round up, ready to call down fire from heaven. And Jesus rebukes them. He, he calms them down. They didn't realize what spirit they were operating in. They didn't realize, uh, they, they, they lost sight of the, the reality that Jesus came to save, not destroy lives. He came to save, not destroy lives. So he, Jesus had to do on-the-job training with these guys. Because at times they wanted to use that authority and that power to be destructive with it. And isn't that our tendency? Isn't that the tendency of our flesh to just want to get revenge on people? Instead, Jesus tells his followers to shake the dust off your feet. Shake the dust off your feet. Don't don't try to call down fire from heaven. Don't try to get revenge. When you experience rejection like Jesus experienced, Shake the dust off your feet. So he prepares his followers for that. Verse 11. He says, if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake the dust off your feet. Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. And so they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. By the way, if you're calling people to repent of their sins, change their mind, change their direction, change. Change their view about, the, about God and the world and themselves and others. About morals. Repentance means change of mind. The Greek word does. And it leads to a change of direction. You're going to experience rejection by people who don't like that message. Who don't like that message. And, and I think that the fear of rejection, by the way, is one of the greatest barriers that Christians experience When it comes to living on mission and doing evangelism and reaching out to those around. The fear of rejection, which is a twin to the fear of man, right? They're so closely connected, okay? And Jesus had to give some more instructions in Matthew chapter 10 about... He gave more instructions when he sent these guys out. He said, don't fear those who can kill the body, but fear God, who can kill the body and then cast the soul... And to hell. And then he goes on and he explains how you're more valuable than a bird, than the birds. And God knows each one of them that falls. He's aware of each one of them. Each one of those birds. He cares about you. Don't worry about people who reject you when you go to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Because you've been accepted by heaven, saints, through what Jesus Christ has done. And that can free us up. Just like Jesus lived with the Father's acceptance. He did His ministry with the Father's acceptance. He knew that He was the Son of God and that the Father took delight in Him. That the Father was for Him. And He knew that rejection from men would be His lot in life. And if you're going to follow Christ, that's going to be your lot as well. It comes with the territory of being a follower of Christ. Now just it comes with the territory of just being human, right? Experiencing rejection. But as you, you and I live on mission and we, we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and we call people to turn from their sins, the potential for the sting of rejection increases. And we must not let it stifle us. Cripple us. We must not let it uh, lead us to giving up from living on mission. Amen. So Jesus prepared his disciples for this opposition, and for this persecution, for this uh, um, rejection. He said, uh, John chapter 15, verse 18. He said, if the world hates you, know that it, it has hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Right? So that's to be expected. We're to expect to experience rejection. And of course, we don't want to give people legitimate reasons to reject us because of being a jerk for Jesus. Because of bad attitudes, unkindness, insensitivity, not being thoughtful of others. We can give people legitimate reasons to put up walls and barriers. To be like, man, this, this is not a safe person. Right? And we want to remove those barriers. And approach people with love and grace and kindness. But yet, with boldness. And share the good news of Jesus. Share about what he's done to bring rescue for you and me. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul exhorted Timothy and he said, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So part of that is being marginalized, being rejected, being attacked, experiencing opposition from others because of our stance on living a godly life and following Jesus Christ. So what does it mean to shake the dust off your feet? Because we don't have dirt roads like they did in the first century. Not as many as at least. We, We mostly walk on concrete. So there's not as much dust to shake off our feet. So shake the dust off your feet. The act of shaking off dust is an illustration of the fact of their rejection of God's message. It leaves the town accountable to God. It's, a, it's an illustration. Just shake the dust off your feet and move on. Don't let it stifle you. Don't let it cripple you. Don't let it keep you back from moving forward on mission for Jesus. A lot of people give up when it comes to experience and rejection, whether it's a job search, okay, uh, when it, or whether it's friends. It just having friends and healthy relationships. You've been burned too many times. You've been hurt too many times and you just give up. A lot of folks give up when it comes to sharing their faith with others because they've experienced rejection and it just hurts. Nobody likes to be rejected. But when you and I know the, the Father's acceptance, the Father's embrace, the Father's love. When we, when you and I know that heaven has already received us, it frees us up to face and overcome the rejection of men. Amen? And so this morning I want to ask you, everyone who's here, have you received Christ? Are you among... Or are you among those in Jesus' hometown who rejected Christ? Who rejected who He was and what He came to do? Because only in receiving Christ and knowing Christ and trusting Christ, believing in Christ, will you experience eternal life. Forgiveness of sins and redemption and rescue that He came to bring you. Knowing and trusting in Jesus is a matter of life and death. John put it like this in John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so we're all faced with this choice. Are we going to receive Jesus for who he is? The Redeemer, the Rescuer, the Son of God, the King of Kings, Lord. Are we going to receive him? Or are we going to reject him? Jesus was despised and rejected by men so that you and I might be received by heaven. Amen? And so let me finish with a couple points of application here. Guard against taking offense with Jesus. Guard against taking offense at Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Don't let familiarity and unbelief leads you to a place of rejecting and being offended with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And saints, remember who you represent and that he too was rejected as the perfect messenger. Jesus was perfect he was perfect. he couldn't have done anything better morally. he was righteous he performed well he said what was right at the right time he thought the right thoughts he did the right actions and that's not why he was rejected he was rejected because of people's unbelief because of offense with him avoid giving believers unbelievers legitimate reasons to reject us and our message by living out what we profess to believe and when we blow it when we fail when we sin because we will let us humbly acknowledge our sins and apologize and repent and say, I was wrong. What I said, what I did, my attitude was wrong. It didn't reflect Christ very well. I'm sorry that I hurt you. Avoid giving. Uh, and then lastly, know intimately the, go- the gospel's gracious, gracious provision of God's acceptance of us in Christ. Know intimately the gospel's gracious provision of God's acceptance of us in Christ. We have been made accepted in the beloved. There's nothing you or I can do to make God love us more. We are loved by God. We are accepted by God. We are welcomed by Jesus. We've been received by Jesus. And so that should free us up, free us up to be bold in the face of rejection and not quit and not not continue on mission for Jesus. Amen. And so let me let me close with this benediction, this prayer from Romans chapter 15. If you guys would stand up, Kevin, would you come up and lead us? May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And so, Father, this morning... I pray that your love and acceptance would bring healing to the broken areas of our hearts. The areas of our hearts and our lives where we are wounded, where we are hindered, where we are held back from living out who you've called us to be and, the, and doing what you've called us to do. Pray that you bring healing, freedom, redemption. And that our redemption stories would continue to grow about where you're taking us and what you're doing in our lives, taking us from glory to glory. Kevin leads us in a song here. I just want to invite... Anyone to come up to the front for prayer? If you'd like to receive.